News Politics on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello, I'm Trevor Dan, and in this election special, we'll focus on the campaigns for your vote in next month's elections for Cambridge City Council and for East Cam's District Council. In the Guildhall, we have Labour's deputy leader, the Lib Dems leader, and representatives from the Greens and the Conservatives. John Elworthy will help us unravel the issues in East Cams, and of course, our esteemed analyst and commentator, Phil Rogers, joins us as always. So, Phil, let's start by reminding everybody what's up and what people are going to be voting for on May the 4th. So this year we've got one third of the seats on Cambridge City Council up, plus a couple of by-elections. And in East Cambridgeshire, we also have the entire council up for election. So uh, quite an exciting time there in prospect. So we're going to hear from our panel from all the major parties on uh, Cambridge City Council in a minute. How do you assess their chances before we actually hear from them? Well, because Labour already have quite a large lead on the council, it's very likely that they will retain control this time. It's theoretically possible that if they had a real meltdown, uh, the council could go to no overall control, but in in practice they've got enough safe seats that that's probably not going to happen. Are there any wards that you would specifically look at? Yes, we've got several really interesting contests this year. Castle is going to be very closely contested. We've got both Labour and Lib Dems defending a seat there. Newnham has a fascinating contest with the Greens also in contention there. The Greens will be hoping to hold on to Abbey, um, but there's other places where the Lib Dems are hoping to make gains, so they'll be looking to take market back. And West Chesterton is going to be very closely contested as well. Do you get a sense at all that there aren't as many hoardings and posters around as there are normally? Well, we've still got a little way to go to polling day, but there certainly haven't been huge numbers. I I think in recent years we have seen more than there's been this time. Well, I'm going to see if we can energise the campaign with our panel, and we'll meet them after this. Ha <laughs> a bit of local radio there. Chard and Company with the old Mill Road. And it's given our election panel time to assemble themselves. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to ask each one of them to introduce themselves and then speak for two minutes about their party's philosophy and objectives and why you should vote for them on May the 4th. Let's see who's first up. Hello, I'm Alex Collis. I'm a candidate in King's Hedges. I've been a councillor since 2019 I'm the current deputy leader of the City Council and I represent Labour. So we're asking you to vote Labour based on our track record in running the City Council since 2014. And we as a party are committed to four main aims, tackling poverty and inequality, achieving a net zero council by 2030 and tackling the climate and biodiversity emergencies, building a new generation of sustainable council homes and tackling homelessness and protecting local services while modernising the council. Labour is the only party with serious proposals that recognise the clear connection between social and environmental justice, the only party with a proven track record of tackling inequality and protecting services in the face of cuts at national government level. We're building more council houses than most local authorities across the country and we're making good progress with our environmental targets initiating and extending a herbicide-free trial that works for all residents, introducing a comprehensive biodiversity strategy for the next 10 years 
and ensuring that our housing is built to high environmental standards. And like many in my party, I became a local councillor to help tackle inequality and poverty in the city. That's my background. And the best part of being a councillor is being able to make a real difference to the day-to-day lives of people in the area where you live and seeing the difference that you make. That's why I'm restanding and asking people in King's Hedges to put their faith in me for a further four years. And you did that in under two minutes, Alex. So uh, thank you very much for that. Let's see who's next at the podium. Thank you, Trevor. My name is Tim Bick and I am leader of the Liberal Democrat group on the City Council. I'd like people to vote Liberal Democrat on Election Day. Firstly, because you get great service from Liberal Democrat councillors serving their wards all the year round, keeping in touch, listening and problem solving. Secondly, on the council, the Liberal Democrats are the only coherent challenge to a big Labour majority and challenge is needed so that people aren't taken for granted. If not the Lib Dems, who else would call out Labour's ludicrous idea of marketing homes built with public money to offshore investors or closing public toilets used by 35,000 people a year? Who would actually initiate that herbicide reduction plan that Alex mentioned or campaign for better council house repairs? And who would argue for the investment of the council's comparatively large reserves rather than leaving them scribbled away while services get cut back? Thirdly, we have set out a big vision for the sort of Cambridge we want to see as a power of good in the world, both through its innovation and through sharing its opportunities back in the town they came from as an evolving city which seeks to provide homes for people in all walks of life, just so long as it's designed and located and accommodated sustainably. Prizing the well-being of its citizens, for example, ensuring the facilities that promote health, like sports facilities and playing fields, are fairly shared across all neighbourhoods. Living lightly on the planet, where a low-carbon, low-waste lifestyle is attractive and easy, and a liberal city, preferably with a big L, but I'll take with a small L, where people are free and safe to be who they are and live their lives their own way. And there's more about all of that on our website. And fourthly, we don't support the GCP's congestion charging proposals as they stand, but we know that how things are isn't acceptable either. So we'll work to change those proposals to make them fairer. Thank you very much indeed, Tim. Um, Next up, we have... Hello. I'm Naomi Bennett and I'm the leader of the Green and Independent Group on Cambridge City Council. I'm not a candidate this year, but we're fielding a full team of wonderful green candidates, all of whom are active already in their communities. And greens are about service. I became a councillor in 2021 because I wanted to give something back to the community who supported me through my mum's dementia and my own cancer treatment. I felt I had a debt and this is the best way to repay it. And similar stories would be told by many of my green contemporaries. We are a truly independent group. We are unwhipped. We do not follow a Westminster line. We are free to listen to local residents and make sure their voices get heard. And on the congestion charge, Councillor Matthew Howard and I took a motion to the City Council arguing 
for cost of living exemptions for residents, commuters and small businesses. If you listen to the YouTube broadcast of that, you will know that both Labour and Liberal Democrats did what's called a wrecking motion, which deleted every word of our motion and substituted a bland one with no mention of the cost of living exemptions. I think that shows why you need an independent Green Voice on the City Council, and I hope that you will strengthen my Green team. Thank you very much, Naomi. Now we've got um, something rare in uh, Cambridge. It's a less spotted member of the Conservative Party. Thank you, Trevor, and hello, Cambridge. My name is Zachary Marsh, and I am the Conservative candidate for Cherry Hinton Ward in the elections on the 4th of May. And on the 4th of May, you'll have a choice. You'll have a choice between three parties that have at various times expressed their support for the congestion charge, or you'll have a choice between the only party in the entire county of Cambridgeshire that has consistently and unequivocally spoken out on behalf of the over 80% of Cambridge residents who do not want this charge imposed upon them. These appalling plans will charge you and your family £5 every single time you move your car off your driveway within the city of Cambridge, a charge that could add up to over £1,300 a year if you use your car five days a week within charging hours. This is a charge that will decimate our local independent businesses, that will trap the most vulnerable residents of our city in their homes, that will deprive young people of social opportunities, and that will hit working families hard in the midst of a difficult cost of living crisis. The Conservative Party is the only party that understands these challenges and the only party that is standing up for Cambridge residents. Aside from the congestion charge, we're the only party with a serious programme to deal with crime and antisocial behaviour, working with our excellent PCC at county level to ensure that we have the police officers on our streets dealing not just with major crimes, but with quality of life crimes that are a growing concern in many of the communities in our city. And we'll fight for better public transport, but not by hitting you with the largest council tax rise in the city and not by hitting you with the largest tax in the form of the GCP's congestion charge on the ballot in May across Britain. So vote for the Conservative Party if you believe that we can't afford business as usual, that we do need a change in leadership, and that we need to send a message to those in power on the congestion charge in May. Thank you. Zachary, thank you very much for that. I'm just going to come straight back to Alex. As I understand it, voting for or against any party on the basis of what they think of the congestion charge is really the equivalent of saying, you know, vote for my party because I believe in, uh, you know, freedom for the Falkland Islands, because there's nothing you can do about the congestion charge, is there? We, as a group, have a representative on the GCP. So we have someone that will go along and express our views as a city council. So we can input into the process, but... That is how it works. I think part of the confusion and the sort of upset around the proposals is it's not always clear how the decision's made. And unfortunately, that has been capitalised on and there's quite a lot of misinformation being spread. Now, you're sitting next to Tim, who's a Liberal Democrat. In the county and on the GCP, you'd be kind of on the same side, but in the City Council, you're not. Um, how does that work in real life, you know, as, as, as colleagues on the council? Do you find yourself working together on anything, Tim? Well, I think we do. Um, we're a party who will support where we agree and oppose where we don't. And um, I think that's just the principle of, of democracy. The answer to your question is that the city council has different responsibilities by and large. And so um, 
there is no real inconsistency between a very healthy debate between different parties in the city council and those parties working together on the whole agenda on the on the county council. So if people vote Lib Dem and you can overturn the Labour majority and become the council, what would happen? What would we notice? Well, I think maybe Phil um, needs to um, say something about this later, but I think it's rather unlikely that in the election that we have this time round, where only a third of the seats are being elected, that 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 would happen. I mean, it could happen as a surprise, but I think it's less likely. Let's not be defeatist on your No, no, but it's numerically not the case because you you only have a certain number of seats to fight and and contest. So I think that that needs to be said. But, I mean, I think you would notice a different approach to the council's finances. You would notice a different approach to antisocial behaviour. Uh, I think you would notice, I think maybe you would notice a different approach to, to things to do with um, planning policy as well. So same question really for, for you, Naomi. A lot of what you said in your opening remarks was all kind of mom and apple pie. It was a bit kind of nice to have. And I didn't get a lot of granular detail about what you actually want to do and what you're offering the public. In what way can you change their life for the better? Well, I think we have made changes the better this year. In our ward, Abbey, we've been very intensive on condensation, damp and mould work and cost of living work. 80% of my group's time is actually spent on casework. To be honest, I think at the local political level, it's much more important to be practical and constructive than to go hard on policy and dogma. Alex, is it important that people who are voting get to know who their candidate is? It's not just, it seems to me, a question of, well, I'll just vote for the party that I might support nationally. Do you want people to get to know the candidate as well? Absolutely. I think, you know, I think that's particularly important. I know lots of councillors from whatever party will stand in the area where they live. For example, Naomi's talked about that. I think, Tim, maybe you live in the area that you represent. I know many do. And I think it doesn't mean you can't represent the area, you know, a different area to the one that you live in. But I think it gives you something a bit extra. And you see, and it's what I was talking about earlier, you see the day-to-day results of the difference that you can make. I think that is the most important thing. People first, party second, I would say. So, Zachary, when you go out door-knocking, are people at all influenced by national issues or are they straight onto the congestion charge? I think that's a really interesting question, Trevor. Um, The simple answer is that we were shocked by how energised voters are by the congestion charge issue. People are angry, and rightly so, that politicians are not listening to them, the people they put in power. Many of the voters we speak to will be voting Conservative for the first time on the 4th of May are former Lib Dem and Labour voters, and in certain cases, current Labour and Lib Dem members who have said that on the congestion charge issue they will be backing the Conservative Party because this is a local issue that really cuts through, and I think that's really healthy for our democracy, actually, that people are really focused this time on local issues. They want to see what's happening in an area which is really going to affect them. And they want to see councillors standing up for what is a clear local opposition to the charge when both major parties have consistently voted to advance it and support it. So you're, you're genuinely saying to us that on the doorstep people are not saying the words Boris Johnson or Partygate or Liz Truss or any of those words? I can actually say to you, 
categorically, honestly, I have actually heard none of those three words mentioned on the doorstep. Occasionally, people say that they're not a fan of the national government, and that's absolutely fine. But none of those three things have come up, and everyone opens with the congestion charge. And what about you, Alex? Well, I certainly have heard people talking about the national government and the absolute disgrace that it is. A lot of the cost of living measures that we are having to put in place are because of 10 plus years of austerity and cuts. People are fed up with that and they are absolutely disgusted with the behaviour of the Prime Minister when people in this country were doing what they thought was the right thing. That's the previous Prime Minister, but one. Yeah, well, you know... They change pretty often, don't they? Tim, do people say to you, ah, Liberal Democrats, yes, we've always um, supported you ever since you brought in that very welcome austerity plan? Well, I would like to answer your question, the the question you asked um, to Alex, that I hear exactly the same things as she does. I'm sure Naomi does too. And if Zachary thinks they're not saying that, people are being polite to him. Eight out of ten people outraged by their government and actually it's for us as people knocking on their doors as local council candidates to actually try and bring them down and and address some of the the issues that we are actually responsible for. Do you feel that you've been forgiven as it were for the Clegg years? I think there comes a time where you have to stop looking at history for your guidance for the future and I I think that people have done that all over the country for uh, the last five or more years by sending Liberal Democrat MPs back in by-elections protesting strongly against the direction of this government. Let's talk about housing. Do we need more houses in Cambridge? And if we don't need more houses, what are we going to do about the people who are moving here and want to work here? We need more affordable houses, Trevor, but houses that nobody can afford are no use to anybody and in fact they take away the opportunity to have an affordable house. Now the problem here is not the council, it's the national government and ridiculous and complex rules they have over housing finance. People always say it's common sense, why don't you go out and build more council houses? But the way housing finance works is that for every council house built, uh, normally you've got to build four market rate ones. And that is the real problem. And do you think that the Labour Party, as they've been running the City Council, have not worked hard enough to overcome some of these issues? I don't think the problem is the Labour Party at the council. I think it's the Conservatives in government. I think it's a begging bowl culture where sort of councils have to pit themselves against each other for grants, using up valuable officer time, and we can't all win these contests. I I, I get that. I'm, I'm going to stop you there and say, in that case, why should somebody vote Green and not to vote Labour, who I think you've just kind of admitted haven't done a bad job in that area. In that one area. But the reason why you vote Green and Independent is for an independent group. I don't have to play party politics. In fact, my party encourages cooperation and courtesy. I don't have to say that something is dreadful just because a different party did it. I can actually praise if they do something. Thank you, Naomi. Um, Tim, back to you. We're always being told that Cambridge has to expand. We're always being told that the key word is growth. No one ever seems to vote for growth, though, do they? They Uh, vote for not having more houses in the field at the bottom of their garden. Yeah, I mean, 
yes, growth is not a candidate uh, in the elections. But but, <laughs> but, but, maybe, but maybe it should be. Then we'd have some idea whether people do want to live in a growing what, town or not. But what happens is that they elect people to look at the situation we have here in Cambridge in depth and work out what actually is the best for the community here of the future. And I think that, um, for, speaking for myself and my colleagues, we believe that it is inevitable that the city must provide more homes. And I think it's more homes for people in all walks of life, um, but certainly including affordable, affordable homes. And if we don't do that, then we're going to have people commuting to work over ever longer distances. We're going to have people living in cramped, unsuitable conditions in, in the city. And sooner or later, we're going to be cramping some of these important um, employers um, that I think we're all proud of that do great things in the world who will decide that maybe it's easy to, to have their growth and their success elsewhere where they're, they're less constrained. And I, of course, the growth needs to be consistent with the natural resources. It has to be consistent with our history and our landscape, and it has to be built to the highest sustainable standard. But these things are things that we must fight to achieve rather than look for reasons why we can't. Alex, do you want to live in a growing town? Do you want Cambridge to be bigger in 20 years' time than it is now? We know that people want to come and live and work in Cambridge and we are in a situation you know, with a national government who basically has enacted a developer's charter. So our responsibility as a council is to make sure that that growth is managed, that it is sustainable, that you know, the work that we've done to ensure that new developments don't use gas or they have to generate as much renewable energy as they use. And we combine that with our work on building council housing you know, I, we do have a very strong record on building council housing. We've got a strong record of exec councillors in that area. So from, you know, from Kevin Price, Richard Johnson, Mike Todd-Jones and now Jerry Bird, who are incredibly committed to making sure that we are addressing housing need in this city. And by having developments, say, like Ironworks or Timberworks, where you have a tenure mix. So, for example, in Ironworks, it's 118 properties at council rent and 118 properties at market market rent. By having that, the money generated can go to developments like Aylesborough Close and the Meadows, which are 100% council rented. So for example, on the Meadows, 78 new council properties. Let me bring in Zachary here. Uh, apparently, it's all the fault of your party in national government because you've starved the poor people of Cambridge, the poor councillors of Cambridge, of all this grant money that they would deploy for the people's good. Um, do you accept that that is what's happened? No, I don't. I think it's a very easy way of passing the buck, and it's always nice in local government when you can. Claim oh, so the grants from national government have gone up, have they? No, I'm saying that it's very, very so they possible. Have gone down. It's possible as a local party in local government to make good decisions that run your councils effectively. But and the grants have gone down. Conservative councils are very, very good at building affordable homes and managing housing supply. What we've got in Cambridge is a situation where we have an extremely vibrant city that attracts a large number of people, as mentioned a number of times on this panel. We should be very, very proud of that. But we need to house those people effectively. Now, there are a number of things we can do to achieve that. One of them, as Tim mentioned earlier, is not market properties in our city to foreign investors when we've got people who desperately need those homes in our city. We can also make sure that when we do have development, it is appropriate development in the right places for the right people. 
Part of the issue has been that we have been on a massive programme of urban infill, which is eating up our green spaces. There are thousands of homes due to go onto the Marshall site, which will cause huge infrastructure issues for Abbey Ward and for I'm Standing and Cherry Hinton around the Coldham's Lane area, for example. And when we continue to close roads down, like we saw on the Mill Road Bridge, which forces people who are moving into new properties in the area, like Ironworks and Timberworks, to use different routes, that adds to the problems that we experience as a community. So exactly, and these to, are all issues that local government To, to cope with all these new people... We need some better travel infrastructure, don't we? So we need, I would think you would agree with me, better buses. How are we going to pay for those new buses if we can't have a congestion charge and we're not going to put up the council tax? Thank you very much for that question, Trevor. Um, I'd like to, first of all, just return to something that was said by Alex. Um, contrary to what you said, um, it's not quite right about the... Labour influence on the GCP. Actually, every council that's represented on the GCP has a veto. So if Labour wanted to end the congestion plans tomorrow, they could. They haven't. And that's their political choice. But what the Conservatives would do if they were in power is very, very simple. We continue to support the rollout of the Cambridge South Station, which has been made possible with government support. And we're delighted that that's going ahead. That could only have been brought forward with national government. And we also want better buses. And we understand that that might mean that we need to find more money somewhere. Something we could do right now is unlock the GCP money, which is being unreasonable reasonably claimed is tied to a congestion charge, which is actually brought up in the House of Commons and debunked, which is a recent local Labour claim that that money can only be used if a congestion charge is brought in. That's not right. We've got a pot of money there. Let's use it now to improve our local bus network. And also, if we're going to raise money for buses, that's something the Conservative Party would seriously consider. But that doesn't require working families in the city to pay £1,300 more a year. Tim, where are these new bus drivers coming from? Uh, well, they will have to be employed and they'll have to be in, have to be trained. And I, I believe that provision is made for all of that in the um, in the proposals that were made. But I, I wanted to pick up what Zachary was saying there. Um, I, I think that it, it's quite wrong to characterise this as just about finding money to improve the buses. So it will take money to provide a first class bus network absolutely will but it is not the only thing that will that is necessary to achieve that we need the roads to be clear enough and uncongested enough for the buses to be reliable and to deliver the first class service that we would want them to do and that is why it's not possible just to say no 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 we'll, we'll walk away from measures that actually discourage people from making car journeys and we'll just find some money from some money tree somewhere else to pr improve the buses because those buses that you provide will just be wasted because they will be in one long queue in the same congestion that we've got today. So you have to do both things. You have to find a source of money to provide your subsidised bus service and then you have to also find a way of decongesting the roads so that they can run on them. Naomi... Zachary mentioned um, Mill Road, the Mill Road Bridge. It's going to shut soon, isn't it? Are you in favour of that because it's environmentally uh, a good thing or are you against it because some shopkeepers might think it'll damage their business? We are a party of social justice and climate justice. On Mill Road, we did support the case uh, for closure, but we had conditions... You may remember that when the first Mill Road closure happened, there were no exceptions. And a number of people, myself, Jerry Bird, who are both disabled councillors, and others have campaigned hard for disability exemptions. I don't think the disability exemptions are quite good enough, but we now have 
some better exemptions. What I would also have liked to see, which is not there, is an early hours exemption so that traders could restock. It's very, very difficult at the moment. And we know that it is causing problems for Mill Road shops. Alex, can you react to that? I know it's not technically your business, but yeah, 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 it's yeah, county council business. So the original closure of the of the road was of the bridge was rushed. Um, it was done, you know, the consultation, you know, if there was any, was done, you know, very lightly. It reopened. It went back out to consultation, and that work has been done properly. I agree that I think there's more fine tuning that needs to be done on issues like exemptions, but that process has been carried out democratically and properly and you know a consultation was done and we can't say we're going to consult and then when we don't like the results ignore the results of the consultation that is not what it's about and that you can shrug all you like Zachary but that is exactly what will be done on the STZ proposals as well. Just have a a little verbal shrug Zachary. Yeah, I, I think that the um, the irony of that situation is, of course, that there was a consultation done on the Mill Road Bridge proposal and everyone was against it the first time round. So then what did Labour do? They had another consultation until they got the result they wanted. So the idea that you respect consultations is ironic coming from the city. OK, now I'm, I'm going to just broaden this out for a, a little while. I want to ask you about something that doesn't always come up, I think, in these conversations, which is the extent to which the City Council should be involved in events you know, you've got your fireworks, are they happening, are they not happening? You've got the big wheel, you've got the folk festival, you've got the big weekend, that's gone. Is it right that you as a council should be responsible for doing live events for the public good? Um, and if it is, what's gone wrong? Why aren't? Why are some of them having to be cancelled? Tim? I can see a cheeky grin there. <laughs> You're going to say Not... me, Joe Cuts, aren't you, Tim? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to answer Trevor's question. But I do think that the City Council does have an important role to play in providing some events that bring the city together at important points of the calendar. I think that, um, that doing that helps the cohesion of, of the community. And uh, I've seen people... Um, sat at Parker's Peace at the um, big weekend in the summer who are really celebrating summer together and are having a great time and the more barriers that you put up around those events you know the less that would be the case so I think that the city it's a business the city council should be in it shouldn't you know clearly there are there's some limits to that and one doesn't want to go mad there are also private events that are available uh, but I do think the city council has something like the fireworks night the big weekend are important I um, regret greatly that the big weekend uh, looks like it's bit the dust I think that just to surface that issue at the same point as saying there's no alternative but to to stop it um, is really, really sad. Sad for some of the Asian community particularly who have their, their mela there uh, every year as pride of place on the Sunday. I would like to have seen an exploration of um, other solutions, which Alex will tell you she's looked at, but I'm afraid councillors in general have not. Let's and let, I think um, that, that needs to be properly looked at by us all. Naomi, come in here. Event. I think Lib Dems proposed that uh, she look for commercial sponsorship for the big weekend. I think the problem with that is that companies' uh, budgets are very tight. They're looking very 
they've got a much more sophisticated view as to how they do their sponsorship. I'm afraid I think that was on a hiding to nothing right from the start. Zachary, do the Tory party think that the City Council should be deploying its funds on events? Events are a really important part of our community and it's vital that we continue to support those. But it's equally vital that we offer support through grants to organisations that are doing fantastic work in their communities. And I think we need to be focusing at a time where we do need to be wary of budgets and do need to be wary of increasing the financial burden on residents, of actually seeing what fantastic community initiatives are out there that are trying to do things on themselves, offering support to that which can be more cost effective and also which saves resources from the council side of things. Alex, you'll miss the big one weekend weren't you? I will actually and I'm speaking as the executive councillor with responsibility for events so I also deeply regret the fact that the big weekend has gone but we are in a reality as a council where and you weren't sure of this earlier Zachary we have 11 million pounds worth of savings to find over five years largely due to um, dropping grants at national level and we have to look at our whole budget And what are the core services that we need to keep for people? What are the things that are nice to have? What are the things that we can do in partnership with communities? I'm glad you mentioned the grants that we might want to give to organisations to run their own events, because funnily enough, we do do that. Um, The issue of commercial sponsorship is is a really difficult one. Um, We have an extremely experienced officer team in city events who spend the entire year looking for commercial sponsorship. The reality at the moment is that it is just not out there. And when we looked, I looked with officers at the whole of the events programme, we brought back the fireworks. So the fireworks will stay because we know what that event means to people. We are continuing the music in the parks. We're taking elements of the big weekend, like the Mella, and seeing how we can work that into events happening in other communities that we support. And, of course, we support other events that aren't provided by the council. So Strawberry Fair, Midsummer Fair, you know, the work that we do with the Showman's Guild. So, yes, there is um, a place for us to provide city events, but it doesn't have to just be the council. And, and we need to look at what else we can and support. And the Folk Festival, is that still... Yeah, the going folk ahead. festival, absolutely. Not we're, just this year, but in no, the future. No, that is that will be going ahead. Um, we're currently looking at um, you know plans for it. it. Has a big anniversary coming up, so we are in just you know discussing um, as officers and councillors, you know how we mark that. You know it is a you know a jewel in the crown of Cambridge, um, and not likely to go anywhere soon. Thank you, all of you, for coming in. There's one more thing for you to do before uh, we wind this up. I want you to tell me what you think you'll be saying on the Sunday after the election. And the reason I'm doing this is because we'll have a show on that day and I'm going to play what you're going to say now. So what do you expect now, a fortnight before the election, might be the result? Start with you, Zachary. Do you think you'll have any councillors? I wouldn't like to bet on whether we'll have councillors, but I think what you will definitely see is a large swing towards the Conservative Party across the board in the city as people express their dissatisfaction. Large swing, but not necessarily any councillors. We're in it to win it, um, and there are a number of wards we're targeting very hard, but I think above all you'll see people using the Conservative Party as a vote to express dissatisfaction with the other two parties, and that is exactly the way people are feeling at the moment. And how about uh, Naomi for the Greens? I'm looking forward to welcoming at least one new colleague. 
and I suspect that Abbey is going to stay green. But apart from that, I would not like to call anything. Tim Bick, will you be welcoming some new Lib Dems? Well, I hope that we will. I hope we'll be making some gains. Um, but obviously, it's um, you put us in a very difficult position, don't you? Because the voters are the ones who decide. And naturally, I'm, I'm working for. hard still to achieve that. <laughs> Alex Collis. So we do expect to still be in control of the City Council and what we will be saying on that morning is thank you very much Cambridge for putting your trust in us, for continuing to do that and now let's get back to work. And Alex, thank you very much for coming uh, in place no of problem. Anna, who is uh, the leader of the council and who is uh, currently suffering from COVID. So, she is rather, yeah. So we uh, we wish her all the best. Zachary and uh, Tim and Naomi and Alex, thank you so much. This is Cameras Politics from uh, Cambridge 105 Radio. We'll get Phil Rogers' thoughts after this. Sailor and give me Shakespeare, uh, suitably highbrow for uh, Cambridge. It's Cam's Politics and it's Trevor Down here with uh, Phil Rogers. Phil, you were listening in to the debate. Um, what did you make of what the parties had to say? Well, a lot of very traditional Cambridge issues coming up, um, but the sort of looming presence of the congestion charge is, uh, is, is really hanging over the debate. And, and as we heard, that's uh, very much what the Conservatives want to talk about. What do you make of Alex Collis's defence of the council under Labour control? Well, they certainly have built a large number of council houses, and, and that's obviously part of their record they're, they're keen to stress, along with their emphasis on environmental issues and, and so on. They've been in control for quite a long time now. It'll be 10 years next year, uh, assuming they retain control this time, which is a pretty likely. And as time goes on, there's always more stuff for the opposition to target and more issues to, to campaign about. I didn't pick up much hostility from Tim Bick from, for the Liberal Democrats. I thought he was going to be a little bit more angry with uh, Labour. Yes, it was a pretty measured performance from Tim, I think. He's been campaigning on some of these issues for a long time and his expectation will be that, that Labour will retain control this time. But he will be hoping to chip away at their majority in a number of wards. So that's really where the Lib Dems are going to focus their efforts. We didn't talk at great length about climate and you know biodiversity and some of those environmental issues, although all four of them mentioned uh, those subjects in their opening remarks. Do you think that plays well or are, are people engaged in those issues or is it really more about the kind of nitty-gritty of potholes and the congestion charge? I think those issues do resonate with Cambridge voters quite a lot and uh, people are concerned very much about uh, climate change and the environment and you know how we're going to deal with all the issues that are uh, threatening the environment. But on the other hand, people are also concerned about whether it's going to cost them £5 to drive down the street on, on their way out to work somewhere. So the Labour, Lib Dems and Green parties are pretty well aligned, I think, with the environmental concerns of, of Cambridge people. And, and we also heard uh, that from the Conservatives as well. But they're very much focused on the congestion charge this time. Thank you very much, Phil Rogers. Cam's Politics from Cambridge 105 Radio. We want to know what's going on in the other election that's happening on May the 4th. And there's nobody better poised to do that than John Elworthy from Cam's News. Cam's Politics with Trevor Dan on Cambridge 105 Radio.
So, John, first question. Since 2019, when these seats were last up, the Conservatives seem to have put on one and the Lib Dems have lost four. There's been a lot of activity that's not been at the ballot box. What's been going on? Well, the Lib Dems always attract a certain flavour of candidates at election day. A lot of council leaders will tell you that they've struggled to fulfil the obligation to, to, you know, to put out enough candidates to fill the seats. So that is really what's happened. There's been one or two issues over the years with a, a couple of Lib Dems who've uh, gone independent, two have left the council. You know, in 2019, it was 15 Conservatives, 13 Lib Dems. As you rightly said, it now is uh, 16 Conservatives, they won a by-election, nine Lib Dems, two independents, and there is one vacancy. Let's uh, talk about that vacancy, actually, John. This is Matt Downey, who, as I understand it, has caused the vacancy by not turning up to council meetings. Yes, he has, and he's caused an awful lot of uh, mayhem behind the scenes over his actions and behaviour. I mean, it's a complete programme itself about Matt Downey. You know, you know, there were conduct issues revolving around him. And uh, he was also a city councillor as well. And, and he left that. So local politics is what it is, you know, and people just move around. But I do think in East Cambridgeshire, there's a sense of nervousness and apprehension because there are two things, obviously. One is the state of play nationally and how that's going to affect voting intentions. Secondly, it's the Cambridge congestion charge. And it's really strange in, in East Cambridgeshire because Anna Bailey is, is almost at the forefront of the campaign to stop the congestion charge. And it's a very useful peg to be able to lead a, an election on by saying, you know, blaming the Labour and blaming the Lib Dems for wanting to bring it in. When, of course, none of those particular parties have actually formulated any policy that would allow anything like this to happen. It's the Greater Cambridge partnership that's been floating with it but of course there is no conservatives involved in that these days although there were many years ago so you know they've smelt something um they smelt i think election gold if you like in east cambridgeshire and they're playing it for all it's worth i mean the top thing on their manifesto is you know we've campaigned hard against the cambridge congestion charge and supported the petition for a referendum you know that is literally what they is their main thrust not what we've done in east cambridgeshire it's interesting how that will play out with the electorate and so I... they're f- the, the tories are fighting the election as a almost a single issue election and it's not a an issue that the district council can really have much influence over well no but you see the other thing they've, they've struck in is about highways and um you know, talking about we, you know, the, the the state of roads. Well, any councillor in any part of Cambridgeshire can can have a good old moan about it. But you need to go back through inherited budgets and, and ways that they were dealt with over the years. You know, there isn't an infinite pot of money in anybody's local authority budget to be able to repair the potholes that we need repairing. And that's why the government has spent millions intervening and giving it to local authorities to spend uh, to repair them. So you know, they have identified a few, you know county-wide issues, and they've sort of stepped outside of their remit, if you like, but they sense, you know, uh, you know, political opportunism. But, you know, we all do that if you are in politics. You know, we expect to see that, you know, as a matter of, of course. I want to do the other interesting things, though, that the, the Tories, we'll do the three of them in a moment, but the one thing the other the Tories are really proud of is their, you know, freeze on council tax. They've managed to keep it frozen for 10 years. 
and they keep going through the mantra of free parking, which, you know, has been a big issue in Italy, which they maintain. Well, of course, that comes at a cost because they expect with free parking, you have to have the police to enforce the traffic regulations. Parking in Italy is an absolute nightmare. Illegal parking is a constant pain in the side for everybody. And the one thing that they've done, they are now the only um, one of three local authorities in the entire country not to have opted for civil parking enforcement where it hands it over to the um, the, you know, the local authority to run. Their answer to that is that they would lose the opportunity to keep free parking. They'd have to pay for it to, to finance the operation. Fenland says you don't have to because they're going down the same route and they're going to keep free parking. But it is going to be an interesting issue. John, and sorry it, to interrupt. Can I move you on from the Tories and talk about the other parties? Labour, meanwhile, it's quite interesting again going through these manifestos. They haven't had a seat, bless them, on, <laughs> on East Cambridgeshire. But if anybody deserves merit for piling in with a with a detailed manifesto for change, you'd have to hand it to Labour. And who knows what might turn up on May the 4th in their favour. But, you know, they want things like a cost of living emergency and they want an anti-poverty strategy for East Cams. And um, they do want to bring back the Citizens Advice Bureau, which the District Council acts, uh, saying that we could do a better job uh, cheaper in-house and neither the Labour Party or the Lib Dems believe that and they do want that, you know, they want that to change. And the housing is a huge issue. The Conservatives are claiming great success with the way that they've redeveloped different sites, like the old Ministry of Defence site uh, for 90-odd houses, part of which will be uh, affordable, uh, allegedly affordable, because they are quite expensive anyway if you buy a shared ownership, one of uh, these properties that they've developed. They borrowed an awful lot of money from the combined authority to assist them, and they're having to struggle with the last bits of payment for that. So housing is going to be a really interesting topic because we haven't seen any, what I'd call, you know, social housing built of any great consequence in East Cambridgeshire. And of course, this is the big issue for the other parties to campaign on. The Lib Dems are going, you know, hell for leather, if you like, on the free parking issue and challenging whether, you know, we could bring in civil parking enforcement. And they want a council tax break for the least well off, which is quite interesting. And they rightly point out that the congestion charge proposals for Cambridge are long, long, you know, way into the future. Interestingly enough, there's some really interesting pockets of change imminent because the deputy leader of the East Cambridgeshire Conservative Group, you know, has been deputy leader of the council, a young man from um, some called Josh Schumann, suddenly announced a couple of weeks ago that um, he's standing for this election, not in the ward that he represented, but he's standing in his home ward of Soham, but he's standing as an independent. So he's, he's quit the Conservative Party and he's also a Conservative county councillor former chairman of the Commercial Investment Committee. So we're waiting to see whether he, he's not going to be allowed clearly to stand as a uh, remain as a Conservative county councillor. Um, he possibly is not expecting to win his seat as an independent in some. And when I spoke to him the other week, you know, he was genuinely seeming happy with the decision that he made. And I think basically he's just had enough of the whole infighting. I mean, East Cambridgeshire is a very, very politically motivated Council. Of course, it was the um, breeding ground for the political aspirations and attainments of the former mayor, James Palmer, who was, of course, the former leader of the council. And we always regarded Josh as one of his little protégés. And I think uh, James would be sitting there this morning or whenever he heard the news, feeling slightly disappointed that um, one of his uh, trainee and somebody who he'd mentored, quote, 
well, he would have thought, has um, jumped ship. But there we go. So uh, in ordinary circumstances, I think with the government nationally being so unpopular, you would expect the Lib Dems to do quite well in these local elections. Do you think that they'll go up from their present nine seats and maybe even challenge? Yep, I do believe so. I think it's um, my feeling and analysis is this, that we could have an almost identical rerun of last time because... The Conservatives are good on the ground. They're very proficient. They're efficient. They and and I think the congestion charge, strange enough, might just you know nudge the you know maybe we'll go to the Lib Dems this time sort of voter. Uh, I think it may well sort of nudge them. Labour, of course, have got have a lot of candidates. They're fighting a lot of seats, um, but you just don't feel it in East Cambridgeshire. The Lib Dems have got everything to fight for, and uh, and they've got a, a formidable you know lineup of, of people at the the held people like Lorna Dupre does quite well known at county level and, and Cambridgeshire level. The real interesting battle, though, in East Cambridgeshire, is not to do with the district council at all. It is to do with the little village of Streatham. Now, it's the only parish council in the whole of East Cambridgeshire that actually has an election. There are 11 parish councillors, and most parishes have filled or have got one or two vacancies without uh, having to have a contest. In Streatham, you've got 22 candidates fighting 11 seats. And at the root of what's happened in Streatham is the uh, philosophy of East Cambridgeshire and its trading companies to have allowed community land trusts, which they regard as a huge success. Some people have decided that they've got too big for their boots and they're, they're bringing in commercial housing on the back of, of community land trusts and so you've got this huge row, and it is a monstrous row within the village of Streatham, where they had a parish poll last year wanting to halt all further expenditure by the parish council on different developments until after the May elections. The, the parish council ignored the uh, the results of the parish poll, which is unusual because the Conservatives have been pushing for a referendum and, and they say we should be bound by the results of a referendum. Well, they weren't bound by the results of a parish poll that called for a freeze on spending until after election. So you've got 11 candidates in, in so clearly they're called pro-hub candidates and 11 anti-hub. And what happens to East Cambridgeshire is almost... If the anti-brigade pull off the result in Streatham, and I should be looking for that more than anyone, because they've also got a district council candidate there as an independent, um, so it may not be quite as easy, you know, to joke around the, you know, what the results will be. We're going to have a very, very interesting battle. So East Cambridgeshire is um, is is surprisingly lively come the local elections. Well, thank you very much indeed, John. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you, mate. Bye bye. Politics on Cambridge 105 Radio. Phil Rogers is still with us. What do you make of uh, John's views on East Cam's, Phil? Well, he's certainly right. It's going to be an interesting election this time. And um, as well as Streatham Parish Council, there'll be uh, a great deal of interest as to how things turn out in East Cam's. Right. So polls are open on Thursday, May the 4th. When do we get the results? That's right. Yes, they're open from seven in the morning till 10 at night. So you've got 15 hours to go and vote. And both in Cambridge and East Cambridgeshire, they will be counting during the day on the Friday. So we'll probably get the first results around lunchtime. And we'll have reporters at both of the counts. And then we'll be back in a fortnight's time on that particular Sunday that follows both the vote and some other thing that's happening at Westminster Abbey. So that'll be May the 7th and you'll be with me and so will Anna Smith. 
who is the leader of Cambridge City Council as we speak, but may not be if they've been defeated. But anyway, she's agreed to come on the show. So we'll have Anna Smith uh, and, and you, and it'll be Cam's Politics for May. Looking Fantastic. forward to it already. <laughs> Thank you very much, Phil Rogers. Thank you for listening. This has been a TDC production for Cambridge 105 Radio. Music